Welcome back to the podcast, friends. Today, we are going to be talking about the eighth step in the process of turning on your sexual desire, going from your stinky start of sex being frustrating and an issue in your marriage and more challenging than you imagined it would be, to getting to the place where sex is a non-issue. You're at peace in your sex life. It's fun, enjoyable, and easy the way it was meant to be. And I just want to mention before we get started that this is by far the hardest episode I have had to record. I really pondered what made this episode hard and I've realized it's difficult because this part of the process of turning on your desire and making sex a non-issue is an ever-evolving part or piece to the whole process. This is the part of the process where you continue with all the skills you've learned from steps one through seven, and then you keep practicing those skills, but then you add in some really powerful relationship and true companionship skills so that your life outside of the bedroom is helping your life inside the bedroom. And you're going to have a better understanding of how dynamics between the two of you increase your intimacy or not. So you're constantly working on increasing the intimacy between the two of you. But most important, we're going to be starting with yourself so that the process is not one that ever ends. It's something that just keeps evolving and it's really difficult to put into words exactly what you're doing in this process. But I think I've gotten this down pretty well and I recorded and re-recorded and deleted and started over several times. So I think we're ready for where we're at because I think what I have created right now is perfect for right now. This is Jamie Andelin and you're listening to Your Turned On Desire. Hey friend, before we start, if you would like to continue to hear more free content about sex and intimacy, then please leave a positive review for this podcast. I promise no matter what, you'll keep getting this content for free, but it encourages me to keep going and creating better and better content when I hear from you. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being here. Once you arrive at this step eight, you're arriving at this place of this happily ever after of sex being a non-issue. It means that you understand how sexuality works and have also undone all the ideas around sexuality that were making it so hard. Once you're here, you've entered into a beautiful relationship with yourself that is truly intimate, meaning you know and understand yourself so much better and you are open and honest with yourself deeply. Arriving at this step eight also means that you've integrated the sexual part of yourself into your body and your daily life and you understand what your values are and you've integrated your sexuality and your spirituality and your relationship and your values and you're really at peace with who you are as a whole person and how you're showing up in your relationship. When we arrive at step eight, it means we've allowed ourselves to stop ignoring and dismissing this part of ourselves, and we allow ourselves to be seen and understood and to, atten- and to tend to and take care of her like a good friend, the sexuality part of us. Arriving at step eight means we now have something to share with another if we choose to share. A lot of us are wanting more heart and more choosing in our marriages and in our sexual lives, and we want more wholeness and freedom, really sharing our sexual selves with another 
means that we will understand our sexual selves and have ownership over this part of us and have freedom to share because we are choosing to let someone in on this part of us that we love, that feels special to us, and that we want to share. In order to really have something to share, we will want to practice all the steps that I've talked about from episodes 32 to this one. That's how you're going to get to know your sexual self and evolve her so that you have something beautiful you've tended to and created so that you have something to share. If you feel you want to share this with someone else, then you can. So what do we need to practice in step eight so that we can continue evolving our sex lives and making them better and better over the years? Of course, it takes a set of skills so that the sex life can keep evolving. In order to take each step, you will need skills and practicing the skills is what makes us able to take the step. In this step, there are at least four skills to practice, and I will tell you what those skills are, and then I'm going to explain them in detail. So, welcome to step eight called Delight and the Wonderment That is Your Life with Your Spouse. The four skills we are going to talk about in this episode are marriage as a container for personal growth, the skill of self-confronting, sharing our sexuality as something personal and special, and true companionship. We're going to talk about what true companionship is not and what true companionship is. So let's talk about marriage as a container for growth. Our not-so-great behaviors are exposed in a marriage. And it's so that we can evolve, mature, and develop as an individual. Our anxieties about sex, intimacy, pleasure, and desire are all exposed in marriage. And it's supposed to be this way. If we avoid these anxieties, we keep ourselves from maturing. If you're struggling with low sexual desire and sex is a challenge in your relationship, then most likely... Your relationship with sex and intimacy is being challenged because these anxieties are coming to the surface or the things that we haven't dealt with are coming up. The container of marriage allows us to self-confront our relationship with sex before we ever confront our spouses. This container of marriage allows us to see how we are engaging with our spouse and what this means about us as an individual. We then get to decide if we like and approve of our behaviors or not, and then change if we don't approve or if we want different results. This is a form of self-confronting, and we will talk about self-confronting next. It's a very important skill, but just know that we can use marriage as a container to become sexually and emotionally mature and developed. This is true whether you have the higher or lower desire. Marriage is a circumstance, just like any other situation in life, is a circumstance that triggers thoughts inside of us. It triggers our insecurities and it reveals and shows us the things we can choose to change and develop or not. As long as we continue to see marriage as a container for our own personal growth, then being triggered, having things come up, having challenges to work through doesn't feel wrong at all. 
It just feels normal. And it's just what was always supposed to happen for our own growth and progression and learning and the learning of our spouses, obviously. If you're struggling with the sexual part of your marriage, then please just take peace in knowing that this is going to be something you're going to have to work through. You will overcome this and then there will be other challenges that you work through. That's just how the container of marriage works. Without this skill, staying in the wonderment and the delight of your sex life and your marriage and sex being easy and a non-issue is going to be really hard. So you won't be able to stay in that place. You'll always feel like you're taking a step forward and then two or three steps back. And so to avoid this feeling of taking a step forward and taking steps back, you really do need the skill of seeing your marriage as a container for growth and letting the stuff come up to the surface. You being able to take a look at it for yourself and say, hmm, how am I contributing to this? What are some things that I need to deal with? This is all for my own personal growth. You need the skill of being able to do that. If you see stuff coming to the surface and you're being triggered and you're not seeing your marriage as a container for growth, then you're going to think that something's wrong with your marriage and there isn't anything wrong with your marriage, you've entered into a circumstance or a container that is naturally supposed to help you grow as an individual. And that's why the stuff is coming up for you to deal with. All right, let's move on to the second skill that we're going to talk about today. The skill is self-confronting. If you're struggling with low sexual desire and sex is a challenge in your relationship, then most likely your relationship with sex and intimacy is being challenged, just like we talked about in the last skill about marriage being a container for growth. And this is a good thing. It's an invitation for you to confront these areas in your life and take a look at how you relate to them. It takes a lot of courage to awake to and be wise about who you really are, what your behaviors are creating. It takes a lot of courage to be willing to see yourself differently than how you thought you were. And to just see how our behaviors are impacting other people and our lives. Most women with low sexual desire have a lot of limits around truly letting themselves be known to themselves and also to their spouses, which is a way of saying you have a hard time being intimate. We have a hard time facing who we really are. When we struggle with intimacy, this requires self-confrontation. Honestly taking a look at what you desire and asking yourself if your actions and behaviors are lined up with what kind of marriage or relationship you desire. Having the skill of self-confrontation gives you the ability to understand if you're heading towards intimacy and connection or if your actions are leading you away from intimacy and connection. Self-confronting is basically the most important skill you will ever develop in this process. In my program, I have a lot of videos about self-confronting and I always bring us back to this and just recently on our live call, I was able to help one lady work through self-confronting herself when she was upset that she felt like her husband wasn't giving her enough emotional connection. So we were able to look at how she was contributing to that and pushing him away as opposed to inviting him in. 
So that way she can start controlling the only thing she can control, which is herself. And then we are either showing up in a way that invites the other person in, or we're showing up in a way that pushes them away. We have to think about our invitations as either they're actually inviting people in or they're pushing people away. So the only way we can figure this out is if we are self-confronting and looking at how we're pushing away what we want or if we're bringing in what we want or at least creating the environment that invites in what we want and gives our spouses the best opportunity to help us get where we want to be. If you do not have the skill of self-confronting, then you will be stuck in a cycle of blame. You'll be blaming your spouse and they will be blaming you for the sex problems. This is also what leads to the we're not having enough sex talk is a lack of self-confronting. That's why I have videos and material lessons in my program for husbands and wives so that they can both develop the skill of self-confronting. This is one of the most important skills so that you're not having conversations that go around and around and around. We should not be having the we need to have more sex talk. We should not be having the talk around you're not connecting with me enough. We should not be having this game of control tennis where one is saying you're not doing this enough and the other one's saying, well, I would do that for you if you were doing this more. None of those conversations should be happening and the way we get out of that cycle and we... uh, stop having those conversations is we have the skill of self-confrontation. That's why it's so important. If you do not have this skill, then you will not be able to stay in step eight, just delighting in the wonderment of your life together. You will constantly be going back and you'll be in that, I took a step forward and now I took 10 steps back situation. And why is this annoying conversation happening? And why is my, you know, husband still initiating this you know, he doesn't feel chosen. He doesn't feel desired. He doesn't feel like we're having enough sex. He doesn't feel like I love him. Like, why is that going on? Well, it's because you don't have the skill of self-confronting. And so once you have that skill and you start practicing it, all of those unnecessary conversations and struggles disappear. Let's move on to the third skill that you're going to want to practice in order to keep yourself in this place of delighting in the wonderment that is your sex life with your spouse. And this skill is you're going to want to share your sexuality as something personal and special to you. There has to remain some kind of mystery in the relationship for any erotic feelings to develop and also for your sexuality to be shared. If there's confusion around who makes the decisions around your sexuality and it feels like you don't have freedom and authority over your sexuality because there's obligation in your sexual relationship, then you don't have something to share. If you or your spouse think that at any time anyone wants sex, this should be happening, then your sexuality isn't seen as something personal and special, and there's not a whole lot of self-regulation and self-management going on. We need the self-regulation. We need to be able to regulate our desires and our urges and our um wants around sex. We need to be able to manage those ourselves, self-management, self-regulation. We need to be able to manage our bodies and our emotions and regulate our emotions and our bodies. Both of us need this skill in order for sex to be something that is good in the relationship. 
in order for there to be some kind of mystery in the relationship around these erotic feelings, you do need some kind of breaks to sex. Like it can't just be like a free for all. Like anytime anyone wants it, that's what we do. It's natural to have some kind of breaks in there. This creates erotic feelings out of the mystery, out of the the self-management, out of sex being something personal to that person and not for someone else. You can't let someone in on something personal that you both feel is something they should enjoy whenever they desire it. Our sexuality has to be ours in order to truly be able to share it. We want to be able to say, I'm letting you in on something special and personal. And this is what creates that erotic kind of love that is needed for sexual desire to increase between the two of you. A lot of women struggle with the idea that sexual pleasure is not for them, but it's for their husbands. And sometimes it is used this their sexuality is used to manage their husband's feelings and emotions and behaviors and this means that they don't believe that they have ownership or claim to their sexuality they aren't experiencing sex in the marriage as something they have ownership over that is special to them and something personal that they get to choose to share there has to be the option to not let someone in in order to really let someone in. When women have claim over their sexuality and are self-respecting, they will be picky with who they share their sexuality with. Even if it is their husband, he doesn't just get to be a part of her sexuality because they are married. He has to continue to be deserving of her sharing of her sexuality. She also has to understand her sexuality and know herself deeply in order to share something. A lot of women don't have something to share because they don't understand their sexuality. Someone like a woman who is struggling with a desire, she will be practicing being deserving of her husband sharing his sexuality with her as well. So remember, this goes both ways. Often, and in many ways, we are each showing up in our marriages, especially the sex part of our lives together, in opposite of erotic ways. And then we're still expecting sex to be without challenges. But when we self-confront, we may find that we aren't practicing erotic behaviors between the two of us. And this is why sex feels so challenging. We still need sex to be something special that we share if we want to, and that a no to sex is also a completely valid option, even in marriage, especially in marriage if we want the sexual desire to keep growing between us. I heard a story recently from a therapist who had worked with someone who was doing work in the Middle East. And he was working alongside a Palestinian woman who had her hair covered the whole time that they were working together. And as they were working together, week after week, they were growing closer and closer. They came from different worlds culturally and so on, but they were really building a deeper friendship and attraction. He had seen a lot of women's hair before because he lived in America. You know, we don't cover our hair typically in America. So hair hasn't been a symbol of eroticism for him, really. 
but because of her religious practice, she was covering her hair. Well, then one day after work, she, knowing he was looking, removed her hair covering and he said it was one of the most erotic moments of his life. And that's because the meaning is behind this removing of the hair covering. It was, I'm letting you in on something personal. And it was the covering that made it personal. And then it was the removing of that co- that covering by choice with the intention to share something with him that made it special. So what may be our personal versions of this in our sexual and intimate lives? Do we believe we have ownership over our sexuality? Is it personal to us? Is it special to us? Are we able to share a personal and special part of ourselves with our spouse? Or is our sexuality not personal because we feel it is something that others have had a say over our whole lives, so we aren't the sexual authority in our lives? Do we not have fantasies or sexual thoughts to share because we don't allow this part of ourselves to get any attention? Are we not getting to know her, the sexual part of ourselves, like a good friend, so we don't know her enough to share her? These are just some things to think about. If we are not practicing the skill of understanding, getting to know our sexuality, having something personal, and having something special that we can choose to share with our spouse when we want to, but also not sharing it at times is okay, (laughs) if we don't have the skill and we're not keeping some mystery between us because if we're letting everything out in the open and we don't have something personal and special that we've been creating and working on and getting to know, then what happens in the marriage is that's when a lot of obligation starts to develop. That's when your sexuality doesn't really belong to you anymore and you've kind of given it to someone else or you've let someone else have authority over it. Or if you're behaving in ways that create this dynamic between you and your spouse where they are no longer allowed to have something personal and special for themselves, but feel obligated to share everything or some like their sexuality has to be used to manage your emotions and that you have to okay things for them. Um, For an example, it's like, as a as a man, if you feel really uncomfortable with your wife using like a vibrator, for an example, in the bedroom because you make it makes it feel like you are not man enough or something like you, she should be able to have pleasure from just you. This means now her sexuality isn't her own and it isn't something that she feels that she can just have and then share with you and show you look at this really cool way that I experienced sexual pleasure. It means that she has to stay within some boundaries um, that you have so that she can manage your sense of self as a man. So that's an example. Now, I'm not saying that boundaries aren't important. I personally believe that boundaries are important to keeping the intimate relationship safe. But Mostly that means for me, it's like deciding for yourself 
what is um what you are comfortable with and what you're not and anything that involves like bringing another person into the bedroom in my experience has caused more issues than not and so working on creating a deeper connection between two people in a marriage is what I support um but that means that each of you are entitled to your own sexual fantasies, your own sexual thoughts, your own sexual explorations on yourself so that you can understand your body better. You're entitled to asking yourself many, many questions to understand the frameworks around your sexuality, what you believe, what you don't believe, what's harmful, what's not harmful. And getting to know yourself in this way is the only way you have something to share with someone else. And if you're afraid to share things with your spouse because you're afraid of how they might respond or what they might think, then that's just something to be aware of, noticing like, is this me? Am I just afraid to share this because it's mine and my own and it's special and I'm okay to just keep it in my heart until I feel like it's safe, like I'm safe to share? Or is this something that's happening in the dynamic between the two of you where you feel like your sexuality isn't your own and, you know, you're very being vulnerable and open and sharing those things is going to hurt the other person. That's just normal, but that's also things to work through. And that's when I think it becomes really important to have a third party person like myself who is there to help you manage these things and to understand and learn about your sexuality and sometimes to have personal calls so that you can, you know, maybe have a place to share um, so you can make sense of your sexuality and also how you're engaging with it and also how you're sharing it and then vice versa with your spouse. So they have a place to say like, why like why am I engaging this way with my spouse I want to understand more about why my I have these anxieties or why I need my spouse to be this way or why I'm so unsure or uncertain um it's really powerful to have that third party person come in and help you navigate those things in a safe environment so that's something that I do offer um my private coaching is reopened I've had a couple consultations this week with people who are seeking more personal help. And now that it's the fall, we're getting started in my private coaching program, which I will share more details about that in this podcast episode that you can read. And also at the end of the episode, I'll explain more what that is. I also have my online program that is still open. I'm letting in people slowly and surely um, before I close it to just let it acclimate for a minute. But it's still open right now and so you're welcome to read through the details of that and come join the program see what that entails and see if that's something that calls to you but I think it's really important to have a safe space where you can explore your sexuality make it something personal make it something special create and design a sex life that you love get to know the sexual part of you so that you have something to share a lot of us are wanting more from our spouses and without the skill of being able to have more to share your this step uh, is going to be really hard to stay in um the obligation is going to add up the guilt is going to be there the confusion the frustration and it also puts like um like a negative kind of break on your development of your sexuality because if you're not 
feeling you have the freedom to have this personal special thing for yourself, then you just stop. You just stop learning about it. But if you have the freedom to have this personal special relationship with your own sexuality that you learn about and then you choose to share certain things with your spouse then this keeps the curiosity going it keeps the mystery going it keeps the desire increasing between the two of you because it creates more erotic feelings but also because that dynamic is really important in keeping a marriage sexual relationship getting more exciting and better instead of becoming dull and just stopping in its tracks and not evolving and maturing. Before we move on to the fourth skill that you're going to need in order to keep yourself in this step of delighting in your sex life with your spouse, then I want to share with you a special supplement that I have really enjoyed. So let's just take a break and I want to talk about the supplement with you. Our sex hormones don't just determine our sexual desire and arousal and support our reproductive systems, but our sex hormones are actually what support our nervous systems, our stress response systems, our quality of sleep, our digestion, and our emotional regulation. That's why our sexual energy is also referred to as life force energy because our sex hormones support our life force, our energy, our mood, and our overall wellness. When our sex hormones are naturally supported and are producing correctly, you'll also experience an increase in your libido and you'll feel more aroused. I've been looking for 20 years for a supplement like the one I have found called Ignite Her. The, it's the perfect amount and combination of natural food sources like beetroot and shatavari that work together to support your ovulation and metabolize your hormones properly. I have enjoyed the natural boost in my arousal, lubrication, and desire as I've been taking this supplement. And I have heard back from many women who have tried this supplement and they agree that they feel a very natural increase of their natural arousal with no negative side effects. Here's what I've heard back from some of my podcast listeners after they have tried the supplement. I feel so much more in tune with my feminine energy. I feel sexier. I have an increased libido and sex is much hotter. Let's just say it's getting spicy in the bedroom. Someone said they're feeling more of a sex drive, especially after having a baby and being in the early stages of perimenopause. One podcast listener named Lacey sent this to me. I've listened to your podcast. I'm obsessed. I'm totally your ideal client. I've super struggled with my sex drive and I just have this whole long story. It was so hard for me to have my doctor tell me, oh, that's just being a mom. I did all of the mind work and I, that I knew to do, and it was still hard for me. Once I started taking this supplement, all of the mind and emotional work that I learned from you became so much easier. And now my sex life is so much better. So I can honestly say that if anyone is struggling with the mind emotion work that Jamie teaches to increase desire and that feels too hard, the supplement helps to support that and makes it so much easier. The mind emotional work is so important, but some people like me need attention in the physical area for the other work to have the most impact. I hope this helps and makes sense. 
Like Lacey said, having an easy sex life requires mental, emotional, relational, and physical attention. If you're finding the emotional, mental, and relational work to be too challenging, then you may need some extra support for your sex hormones. If your sex hormones are not properly producing, then trying to increase desire will be a dead end street. There's a link in this podcast episode if you want to try out the supplement called Ignite Her. I'm excited to know what you think. The fourth skill that we are going to talk about today, this is not the final skill that you'll need, but it is one of the most important skills that you need to stay in this step eight. It's called true companionship. There are at least three stages of true companionship that I have noticed. Stage one is a false companionship, and it's a necessary part of evolving into true companionship. So don't beat yourself up if you notice that you are experiencing a false companionship with your spouse, but it is still false and it makes your sex life become dull, unstable, and rocky if we don't evolve out of this stage. In this false companionship, we are going to want to get along. So we figure out what it takes to fit in with each other and agree with each other. We will avoid conflict. We'll deny our individual differences and try to be like the other, or we will need the other to be like us to avoid the discomfort that happens when we have differences. We will stay silent or we'll agree even if we have a different experience and we'll want to align with the majority or like what we think is like the right way or like with the loudest voice. So like I have clients whose husbands might be very loud and kind of domineering and they will kind of go along with what the husband wants because that's just kind of the loudest voice. The bottom line here is in this false kind of companionship, we are just kind of trying to survive and get along. We don't do or say anything that offends someone else or disrupts the relationship. And if we do, we feel really bad about it. If And um, also, if we do have something that is differing, differing, we like to kind of keep it hidden into ourselves. The longer this kind of companionship lasts, the duller it gets. So if you have this kind of relationship, I know it might seem weird, but the sex life is going to get dull. Also, you'll be starving for true companionship. This is where a lot of people say like, I need more emotional connection, but then they're not willing to step out of this false kind of companionship. And so they're never going to fully get that emotional connection that they're desiring. So you know how your body needs food to survive? Well, your brain needs true companionship and intimacy with another person to survive. Without true companionship, you'll be bored and starving and your sexual desire goes down. So that's something to remember about the first stage of true companionship is realizing you're in a false companionship. Stage two of true companionship or a healthy companionship is called chaos. And so there will be some kind of disruption of some kind of another. And this ensues when someone in the relationship has the audacity to speak up even though they aren't the majority vote or they're not the loudest voice that their opinion may not be accepted or understood. So really you'll be introducing a different way 
of thinking and being. You might be saying, hmm, this isn't my experience. And then what happens sometimes when someone decides to disrupt this false companionship is they, there will be some misguiding attempts to get the two of you back to the false companionship where they're comfortable. So one or both spouses will like have a freak out and be like, no, we have to be the same. We have to agree, agree. Everything needs to go back to where it was. There needs to be no contention. There needs to be no disagreements. Like if we're the same, that means we're connected. This isn't true because, and anyway, but it's normal for this to happen. So I, I want, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to find some kind of peace when you notice this happening. These are like little, um, little milestones that you can kind of keep with you and put in your back pocket, knowing that, oh, this is completely normal. First, to notice that I am experiencing some of the the um, qualities of a false companionship. And then I have disrupted it and I can tell that my spouse is trying to get us back to that that false companionship or my spouse has disrupted the false companionship and I'm trying to get us back to the false companionship. So just keep in mind that this is normal and I want you to know that chaos is always a part in getting to true companionship. There should be a wrestling with ideas and beliefs and we have to realize there that there are different ways of thinking and it's good and right and we do not always have the best way and we are not always right and neither are our spouses. Humans are complex and different and when we try to get people back to this false companionship, then this is usually grounded in fear. So a thought along these lines, like I feel comfortable as long as my spouse is similar to me and there is no disruption. And the more mature we get, the more we are able to hold space for each other's differences. And this disruption of the false companionship leads us to either do everything we can to get each other back to the false companionship, or we can take a deep breath and we can allow this disruption to let us evolve into true intimacy and true companionship. So many of us are lacking the heart and the emotions that we want in our relationship, and this is how you do it. There has to be differentiation. You have to evolve out of being the same. You have to be able to self-confront and see where you're not right and letting each other have your own experience. So sometimes we can feel our spouse trying to get things back to this false companionship dynamic and um, they might be doing things that will make us want to agree with them and just keep the peace an example of this is I had a client whose husband liked a certain level of order and cleanliness in their home and wanted dinner made by a certain time. And my client, his wife, would work to keep the house at his preferred level in order to keep her husband calm because that's what he expected. And she didn't want to deal with managing his emotions when he wasn't happy with the way the house and everything was going. And she did this not because it's what she purely wanted to do out of the goodness of her heart, she did it to just manage him and to ultimately not have to feel uncomfortable and manage his emotions. So they may have had different 
preferences with what was clean and orderly and what isn't. And in order to keep the peace between them, she would use her time and energy to keep um, things to his standard. And when she was honest with herself, she didn't want to spend her time doing this anymore. And she didn't want to have to manage his calmness through keeping the house at his standard. See, this dynamic of her caretaking him and his emotions was actually preventing her from wanting to do anything in the bedroom that was taking care of him. So let's just take, for an example, a blowjob. Showing up and giving him a blowjob in the bedroom sounded horrible to her because that dynamic was caretaking his emotions. And I'm going to go into detail in the next podcast episode about sex dynamics in and out of the bedroom and how they come into play. But just know that if we have a dynamic in the bedroom that or outside of the bedroom, like caretaking your spouse, then caretaking the bedroom is going to not be a turn on. It's not going to feel sexy. And so she was noticing that there were a lot of things he wanted to do that were taking care of him. And because she was caretaking him often outside of the bedroom, she had to give up those dynamics outside the bedroom so that they could become a turn on for her in the bedroom. And so she decided to disrupt things by telling him what she was willing to do. And then if he wanted more done, then he could finish off the rest or they could pay someone to do it. And he had these expectations around the house and dinner that um, she was no longer willing to just kind of go along with to keep the peace and and take care of. Um, And because she wanted this dynamic to change between them outside the bedroom, she wanted other things to be a sexy dynamic in the bedroom And all trying to take care of him was creating this resentment within her. And she needed to change something so that she wasn't experiencing that resentment. And this meant she would be creating a disruption in the way things were typically handled between the two of them. And if you don't um, let things go back to how they were in the fake companionship, then you'll get through this messiness, this disruption. Really good. You'll get to the other side And you'll move through to the next stage, which is stage three. And stage three of true companionship is where we truly learn how to love another. When we are evolving through these stages of true companionship, we have to realize that each stage is perfectly normal. And it's how we get to this stage three of learning how to love another. When we get to this stage three, we remember that it's not all about me. We realize that there are two different people in this relationship with two differing expectations and experiences and desires. And we allow for each to have their own autonomy and to differentiate. We also will choose to empty ourselves of everything that creates a barrier to loving each other. I have found that we empty ourselves of expectations and instead we focus on agreements between the two of us. It's not that we stop having expectations, but we have to communicate these and decide on agreements together instead, or at least be aware of what you're expecting and make sure you either become unattached to your expectations or do what you can to control the expectation happening. An example is a lot of couples have different expectations of what to expect sexually on vacation or coming home from a business trip or something like that. 
These transitions are usually full of differing expectations, and it is important to talk about these and come to some agreements between the two of you, or just be aware of your expectations and then stop being attached to them happening and stop assuming that your spouse should have the same expectations as you. Something else we'll need to empty ourselves of is the need to fix and or make the other person more like yourself. Most of three of the most loving things we can do is share in people's pain and not try to fix it. Let others share themselves with us and just listen and not try to change them, but thank them for sharing and accept people as they are and honor where they're at. This happens often with my clients. They sometimes start working with me and want to slow down and take their time learning about their sexual language and their sexualities without pressure to be on a timeline. And often their spouses will be impatient and want things to change at a fast rate if their spouses know they're working with me. Or um, maybe their spouses aren't noticing what is changing and they'll start pointing this out like nothing's changing. I can't see anything. And this is the opposite of meeting your spouse where they are at and accepting that your timeline is not their timeline. And you can really truly love someone by accepting this. Something else we'll need to empty ourselves of is the need to control. We have to give this up. We can't control and experience intimacy at the same time. So we have to choose one or the other. One of these roles or positions that we take in the marriage leads to either great sex and the other leads to a frustrating or non-existent sex life and which one leads to great and better sex an intimate role or position or a control position taking an intimate role means you have the capacity to share a whole range of thoughts ideas feelings and experiences together it means you're focused on getting to know someone not getting them to be who you want them to be but really seeing them for who they are. You'll be listening to understand, not dismissing them and trying to get them to understand you. There is a difference. The more you take an intimate role in the marriage, the more you'll increase the sexual desire between the two of you and the better your sex life will get. If you don't understand what true companionship is and you cannot see that you're in a fake companionship, then you're going to be stuck feeling like I never have enough connection with my husband in order to want or desire sex. And if you or your spouse keep trying to get you every, the both of you back to a fake companionship and aren't allowing each other to evolve through true companionship, then you will not be able to stay in the eighth step of delighting in your sex life together. What will happen is you'll continue this game of control tennis where you're each trying to get enough sex or enough emotional connection from each other. You're each trying to get something from each other. Sex will be something that is something you do for another person instead of a beautiful place you go to play together and to enjoy each other. And sex will always feel like it's not enough. So this is why a lot of husbands will say, like, we're not having enough sex because even the sex they're having doesn't feel connecting. I just had a consultation with someone yesterday who said that her husband um, was saying that he wanted more connection 
in the in their sexual relationship and she keeps hearing people talk about this beautiful intimate connection they experience through sex and she's like I've never had that before so we talked about how when there's a couple of things coming into play right it's like not having something to share but then also not allowing each other to move through the stages of true companionship um prohibits us from being able to really connect in our daily lives and so then it just puts up it's almost like having a wall around our heart in a way and it makes it really hard to feel um, connected to another person so someone could be a couple let's just take this example a couple could be having sex the same way every time and not switching things up and it could never get dull because of the way they their dynamics are showing up in the relationship in and out of the bedroom, but also the ability to share their hearts with each other. This is why I never suggest like sex books, sex positions, you know, you know when the, when someone approaches me with their sex life being hard and they're like, maybe we need more lingerie. We, maybe we need a different sex position. I'm like, no, you need to learn how to make the sex you're having really good and connecting. That's what you need to have. Don't switch it up in the physical department necessarily, but learn how to open up your heart. Learn how to have true companionship in your relationship. Learn how to open up to knowing yourself better and having something special to share with someone. That's what makes our sex lives better. So staying in this step eight is going to require you focusing in on these four skills. The skills are having your container of having marriage be a container that you let yourself learn and grow in. And you're going to need the skill of self-confronting so that you're not blaming or confronting your spouse. You will want the skill of being able to share your sexuality as something personal and special. And you're going to want the skill between you to allow the sex part of you to be something that's personal and special and not something that is there's entitlement or obligation around. And you're going to want to allow mystery to stay in the sexual relationship and there's going to have to be some kind of uncertainty if you're not sure about that listen to my um episode on eroticism um because that will explain a little bit more but in order to stay in step eight you're going to have to own your sexuality meaning it is yours you have autonomy over it you have authority over it you are getting to know the sexual part of you and you don't have to share everything you learn and understand but you do have to know it and you can keep it personal so that you have something special to share. Also, the way I see it too is our intimacy grows because this sexuality is something special that we don't share with everyone. And that's what keeps it special. If it doesn't feel special because it's being shared with someone else or other people, then your spouse is going to get the message that it's not something special that you're sharing with them and that kills eroticism. So just keep that in mind. And then the fourth skill as a recap is true companionship and letting yourself evolve through those. As long as you are practicing these four skills, you will be able to keep yourself in that place of delighting in the wonderment that is your life with your spouse. And I know that you can do this because I do it and other people do it. And I've come from a place of not practicing these before, you know? and really struggling in my sex life and now I'm not and so it's so much better when we practice these skills it's harder to be just in a place where sex is really 
frustrating, it's easier to be in the place of practicing these skills. Taking this step eight and remaining here as you keep evolving and practicing these steps isn't always easy on your own. If you're here and you're experiencing all the joys that's available to you because your sex life is going great, then please, please, please keep doing what you're doing and enjoy. You deserve to reap the benefits of your hard work. But if you're struggling and it's taking longer than you thought it would, then you could really benefit from my online program or my private coaching services to help you. You can click on the link in this podcast episode to read about my online program and see if it's a good fit for you. There's also opportunities for private coaching that are offered in the online program. So that's something to keep in mind if you're not thinking that you want private coaching and appointments with me weekly, but just every once in a while, the private program is probably a good opportunity for you. But the private coaching with me is going to include more intense work with me, more personalized work with me, and more often, and then you actually have communication with me in between your appointments. It's very personal. So just so you know, the investment of the online program is a couple thousand dollars and you get lifetime access to all the content material, all the lessons, the replays, and the online calls. And the personal private coaching is going to be an, an investment of about $5,000 for an individual person for about a six-month investment of your time and plan on meeting with me every week with an exception. Sometimes the investment of time and money is a little bit less and sometimes the investment of time and money is a little bit more. It's I personalize a program for you depending on what your needs are. And in order to set up a free consultation with me so we can talk about what you're struggling with, what you're needing help with, and for me to really get clear with the things that I would help you with and create a program for you, you can set up this consultation and all you have to do is send me an email at coachingwithjamie, my name is spelled J-A-M-E-E, at gmail.com and I will respond to you and we can set up a time. I like to keep my personal private coaching very personal. So we communicate through email and then we're communicating through text and phone calls at that point. I also have an app that I use professionally to communicate with my clients in between our appointments. And so you really do have 24-hour access to me through the private coaching app. This is to get you from your sneaky start to your happily ever after to move through the phases of sex so that you're enjoying a, a great sex life. I do have to say that you'll move quicker through the program if your spouse is not aware of what you're doing or if your spouse has the ability to remain unattached to your progress. And speaking to women with low sexual desire who are seeking help and want their sex lives to be amazing, if your spouse knows what you're doing, then just be aware that's going to take longer. If your spouse is unaware, the time goes very quickly. If your spouse knows and they are willing to remain unattached to your progression and your experience and they can allow you to just work on your sexuality and your sex life the way you want to and the way you want to through coaching with me, then you will have really good progress. But if your spouse is unable to attach 
are unattached and they are pressury and they are wondering why is this taking so long? What are you working on? Come on, tell me, you know, keep me updated. Why don't I see progress? That dynamic is going to keep you from making progress. So just keep that in mind when you are scheduling an appointment with me. I also work with clients, but I'm very open with them. They they're both working with me, um the couples as clients, then you're both going to have a different program because you're two different people experiencing two different things and needing support in different ways. And so I will be setting up two different programs with you and I don't work with you together on calls. I work with you individually. So just be aware if you're seeking out couples coaching for help with your sex life from me, that I will have a consultation call with you. I will have a consultation call with your spouse And I will set up two different programs to work with you. And the timing may be a little longer than what you were expecting, depending on the kind of support each of you need and um, what each of you are working on. So that's all available for you. Email me if you're interested in setting up a consultation. Click on the link if you're interested in the program. The program also includes a community so you can connect with other people. The program is for women and um, it includes calls, which we have one coming up next week on August 25th, I think is what it is. And we will be discussing, well, I'll be uh, going over different um, different questions that people in the community have had based off of our private calls that we've had together and the messages that I've received from them. I'm going to be addressing things from there and then um, also taking open questions like live on the call. So... If you want to be on that call, then please join us before August 25th so you can be on that call. Also, once you join, you get access to all of the previous calls that we've had and access to all the future calls. Another thing to keep in mind is if you do want private coaching for me, you will get access to my program and all my courses as part of our private coaching together. And this finishes the eight step series of what you can do to take your relationship from your stinky start to your happily ever after of sex being a non-issue in your marriage. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to hear from you. See you next time.